I V M. Hey, welcome to episode 59 of Shunya One. Today we have with us Kulin Shah, who's been an entrepreneur and now is leading a very interesting new product in the consumer space. Uh, we're going to talk to him about what he's doing at ACO. And of course, before that, since Amit's not with me today in the studio for this intro, I'm going to run through a few quick introductions to folks who have joined us on the Slack channel. Hi there, Ivan. Uh, thanks, Sangram, and the ghost for chiming in. Of course, we've been hosting a few quick discussions over there with the polls we've been running. Uh, this will go out this Wednesday again. And uh, please do check in on the channel for all the conversation post the show. For now, let's get on with today's episode. All right, today we have with us Kulin Shah, who's the VP at ACO General Insurance. He's been a longtime friend and, of course, an entrepreneur himself and also someone who has moved from Bombay to Bangalore, <laughs> unfortunately. Really? Betrayal. Yes, but we have him here in studio on this uh, trip back to Bombay. So thanks for being here, Kulin. Thanks for making it. Thank you, guys. Uh, thanks for having me here. And the Bangalore weather is awesome. It's 23, 24 degrees right now. And it's also raining and nice and pleasant here in Bombay in this yeah. one, one month <laughs> well, of the year. <laughs> you want to use the words raining and pleasant in the same sentence, really? Just Maybe just today. Okay. <laughs> but thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, we would, of course, love to uh, hear a little bit about your story so far, uh, sure. all the way from your early startup, which was Wishburg, going into uh, Free Charge, which you were a part of, and an amazing exit that Free Charge had. Sure. And uh, to this whole new paradigm of digital insurance, which we will definitely talk about. But just to set the context for everyone listening in, right? Yeah. If you could tell us a little bit about yeah. the background. So probably I'll take a couple of steps back and uh, talk about my journey even before Wishburg. Uh, started my early days in a corporate uh, Aditya Birla group was a part of the group management training program, did multiple stints. Uh, my last one was with Idea Cellular and uh, thought that, you know, something interesting needs to be done after telecom. I was getting bored out there and uh, did something very different. Went ahead and joined a VC fund, which was looking at telecom in a big way in, uh, in the India-US corridor. Spent three and a half years out there, met some wonderful entrepreneurs and was a part of a lot of discussions in the boardroom and just felt very stupid being there because, you know, those guys have like 15 years, 20 years of experience and the kind of suggestions that you start giving, just felt that, you know, you've not been in their shoes to kind of give those suggestions to them. So at some point of time thought that, you know what, if you really want to add value to this ecosystem, you need to be a part of it, not just from the outside, but, you know, get inside it. And that's when Wishburg happened, uh, met Praveen and we decided to kind of do this thing together and uh, ran in Wishburg for almost three years, raised a small amount of money, did a lot of pivots, a lot of pivots. But somewhere down the line, I think the story didn't materialize for us. Uh, the growth initially took off, but we kind of saturated. Uh, in the hindsight, I think there are a lot of learnings from Wishburg. What was the Wishburg platform itself? What, what, what was it? Can you describe that to people? Just kind of what the... Yeah, sure. So uh, we started with the, you know, intent to kind of collect people's wishes or purchase intents mm -hmm. and then kind of, you know, help advertisers and, you know, platforms monetize it. Right. 
but this was kind of packaged in a in a social bucket list kind of a platform. Oh, nice. Yeah, so you could probably come and say, I want to buy an iPhone or I want to travel to Turkey. And we made it social. We said, you know what, you could come, you know, probably you could look at Shiladya's uh, bucket list. Right, right. Right. So Wishburg was, you know, nice. and hence Wishburg happened. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we, I think there were a lot of learnings from there. We gave it a chance for three years and uh, we had to kind of then take a call and say, you know, what's best for you know, us and for the entire team and uh, took the call uh, at that point of time, Free Charge Acqui hired us. At Free Charge, I started uh, with the partnerships for uh, growth and these were different from the coupons partnership. This was more about, you know, driving growth and new users to the platform, getting them to transact on the platform and uh, started with a individual contributor rollout there, did close to around 100 campaigns in eight months. Uh, drove 2 million transactions through those campaigns and uh, uh, Snapdeal happened and after that we kind of you know did a pivot and we said you know what along with recharges we want to do you know also the wallet right. uh, so I was part of the wallet team and launched the wallet for online merchants and uh, that was a great journey a uh, lot of things to learn we never sold a payment solution. We always sold a growth solution. Mm-hmm. We never thought of ourselves as a payments wallet. We said, you know what, free charges, free charges core is to kind of drive growth for businesses, right? We want to be the partners, not for the finance team, but mm-hmm. for the marketing team, for the CEO's team, right? Because that's because we want to solve a problem, right? And we said that, you know, the wallet is a great way to kind of solve people's marketing problems, great way to kind of, you know, give them more insights on what their users are doing. Right. And that's the way, you know, free charge happened. And uh, we launched close to around uh, 100,000 merchants in less than 12 months. And all this with a team of 14 people, because we just said, let's not throw, you know, people at problems, but let's throw problems at people. Right. So we maintained a lean team. And uh, I think uh, the great team, great culture at free charge, uh, lots to learn out there. Uh, then took a sabbatical for, you know, Personal reasons, my wife had moved to New York and Pankti is my wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we said, you know what, I want to kind of take some time off because uh, the time at free charge was, you know, we could really didn't spend time as a family at that point right. of time. So took some time off, went to New York. A lot of stories out there also. Mm-hmm. And uh, did a lot of uh, soul searching out there, wanted to kind of figure out what's next for me. Did some traveling. Uh, traveling is something that's very close to me. So did some traveling out there, some solo trips, and uh, can talk about it more. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think I did a thirty-day trip on five trains across the U.S. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. You mean U.S. trains? Yes, Amtrak. Really? Yes. I just spent, I think, less than a little less than three thousand dollars for thirty days trip. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, like U.S. trains are expensive, and people don't really travel that country that much by train. I mean, like yeah. you hear about it very, very rarely that somebody road trips are more common, right? Yeah, like, I, I, I didn't. I was not too confident of driving out there, okay. and that too alone. So mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? Let me just take the trains. And trains, I think, are a great way to meet new people. Hmm. And uh, would love. I want always to kind of you know explore their culture, uh, understand you know why they do what they do, couch surfed at few places uh, so that kind of got the cost down I was an unemployed guy out there in the US so <laughs> <laughs> stayed in hostels and met some real good friends people whom I have still in touch with uh, and these are people who are like there's a German professor there are retired teachers uh, there are people I met people who are part of the government cells in 
you know in in small districts okay. and uh, they were doing some work on sustainability out there so varied people uh, did that started reading about spirituality a little and got interested in buddhism mm-hmm. and uh, and then in the month of uh, june or july we thought that you know what uh, us is not the place where i want to be us is not the place where my wife wanted to be so pankti decided to kind of call it the day and uh, i i moved in the end of july she moved back in feb of this year so in the month of july came back to india and then started kind of looking for newer opportunities and uh, was already exploring some opportunities and uh, met varun varun is also the you know ex co-founder of coverfox and uh, he kind of started this full stack insurance company aco aco is like not a broker or a web aggregator right right, right? Uh, it's more like a full stra- full stack insurance company we manufacture our own insurance products and distribute it and they had a very interesting uh, you know outlook to insurance uh, something that i've not really seen in the industry i think insurance is to only get morbid thoughts for me at least and yeah I'm, in fact <laughs> before before you go there uh, the whole transition you just mentioned right i mean just to try and connect the dots why you obviously saw the world from an outside in from a vc perspective early on then tried your own startup and then joined a very high growth company like free charge which had like everything guns blazing for uh, uh, for it and you you sort of left at its peak right when it was almost like you were looking at not burning out but you were just you were just doing things at the highest level of efficiency right i would yeah. guess uh, yeah. the stuff you explained yeah. is that something you think that's well ingrained in startup culture in india is that something you think why places like freechart succeeded what pros and cons can you throw at that because again of these varied right. experiences that you've had so far so i think in place like freechart right culture was the most important thing people were the most important thing right everything else would just fall in place if you take care of these two things i get your point that you know we were like really kind of at the peak of it but i think i did my part of putting up the network together and uh, at some point of time being in free charge i had one family in the office and one family back at home mm-hmm. i spent a lot of time with my family in office right but then there was also a chance that you know needed to kind of prioritize the family back home yeah. right so i think that's the reason why i took that call of you know moving out of free charge but at free charge uh, one thing that really resonated with everyone was that you know whatever happens you know we just have to be at it we just take obscene goals and then reverse engineer to kind of you know see how to kind yeah. of uh, meet them and i think has off to kunal that uh, after coming from a startup where you know every penny mattered at free charge we were told that if you don't come on the front foot you'll never be able to hit a six and i think i think i will always carry this statement that kunal told me that uh, you know what you have to go on the front foot you have to take the risks you have to you know you just have to believe in yourself that you know what this is going to pay off you know this is going to pay off and um, the other thing is that uh, we were never afraid of failures at free charge right we said you know what we can always fail that's okay but we just don't make the same mistakes again and i think that's the kind of things that really helped us to kind of you know uh, build free charge the way it was mm-hmm. yeah. i don't know if i answered your question yeah but leading to of course then yeah. the sabbatical that you took and you know that the stuff you got interested in right. was that right yeah. what do you think this whole massive uh, while i i understand that you appreciate you know what yeah. you guys achieved and right. of course you have i mean yeah. wow <laughs> to what free charge uh, how it happened right yeah. but 
do you think there is a level of uh, burnout which happened which led you to like look at okay let me take a break and yeah, yeah, yeah. it up? did it did because you know sometimes you just get so passionate about things you just forgot you just forget everything that's happening around you because you just want to achieve those things and i don't think it becomes work anymore mm-hmm. it, it's just not an office space that you're going to you're going on a mission right and it just becomes a mission of your life and at some point from you need to st- take a step back and say you know what i need to prioritize in life mm-hmm. right and i think that's what really led to this whole thing right so uh, and i think it came at a good time because we were at peak at that point of time i think that you know we achieved what we could in those 12 months and we could then kind of you know look at a free charge wallet 2.0 kind of a scenario where someone else kind of now takes a you know things forward mm-hmm. right so um yeah i think that's that's the way it happened and you know uh, i wouldn't call it a burnout is just that at some point of time you need to take a call and say you know what's what's the priority at that stage for you and right. i think i prioritize family at that point of time and i don't regret that yeah right awesome and then mm-hmm. of course you took yeah. that took enough time to yeah. figure that out and you discovered yeah. a whole bunch of yeah. interesting I think, things yeah i think when you are at a you know when you're on a mission you don't really step back and you know think about you don't introspect right, right. so i think the 8 months kind of helped to introspect and say you know what these were the right things to do these were not the right things to do mm-hmm. right uh, sometimes you're so just into the operational day to day stuff that you just don't take a step back at all mm-hmm. right to say to do course correction right and uh, as an individual uh, i think i wanted to kind of now kind of step back and see you know what is next for me and probably just unlearn and you know say you know what let me now get into me let me get into something which is completely different right and i think that's also one of the reasons why i joined aco because i didn't know the eye of insurance mm-hmm. all right we sold off our car in 2016 after that i've now went bought an insurance and <laughs> insurance was like my agent told me so i bought it yeah. right <laughs> and uh, i think that's that's something that's was really awesome about aco right. that they didn't want people with you know a baggage of insurance coming in especially for the kind of role that you know uh, we were kind of you know envisioning for me we wanted to be a digital company we didn't want to solve an insurance problem we wanted to solve the business problem for partners right. and if insurance was a part of it why not right so i think that's that's how you know it also helped me to kind of step back and say you know what while all this is good but what is it that i really want so, so yeah uh, let me ask you this right so i mean like you're working with free charge in the wallet space right yeah. and that was also a very highly regulated space yes from a government regulation yes. perspective do you think that was part of the reason why something like aco appealed because again you have experience dealing with thorny government regulations in that context right um in a slightly different context but again i think that those skills probably do apply right so i think uh, what really i think there are two two ways to kind of you know answer this question of yours one is that i think both freecharge and aco were trying to solve a problem for a partner mm-hmm. or for a business right and i think that similarity that i saw out there i thought that you know i could contribute out there and i knew how to work in a regulated you know uh, in a in a regulated environment right, right? so that didn't kind of deter me and say you know what how am i going to do things yeah, no, out exactly. here yeah exactly i know yeah. a lot of entrepreneurs that's like you know yeah. like stay away from anything that has government <laughs> touching it right yeah yeah, yeah. So. so i think you you know uh, being in a regulated environment also kind of helps you to kind of push yourself to think more mm-hmm. because uh, you have constraints right right so you have to beat those constraints at some point of time right and a regulated environment says that you know what these are the constraints now you come up with 
the what what's the best that you can come up with and that really pushes you to innovate yeah, makes sense yeah. yeah so yeah i think aco was and given that insurance is probably a little more regulated than i would think payments so. yeah yeah uh, i'm sure about that well, actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. so i think uh, and that you know that really interested me because no one was looking at insurance the way varun was looking at insurance at that point of time mm. uh, we saw some parallels uh, there's a company called zongan in okay. china uh, they started uh, 2011 no sorry 2014 okay and in 4 years they went to make an ipo of 11 billion dollars wow and they were invested by you know alibaba and tencent and uh, they have close to 200 products in the market oh, in wow. china okay mm-hmm. uh, some of the most ridiculous products are you seeing a football match you drink too much of beer and then you need to get hospitalized you have a medical cover for that okay what <laughs> so it's like specifically football oriented yes so if you're watching cricket it doesn't work yeah it doesn't work <laughs> <laughs> definitely not in china okay, okay. <laughs> they have a they have I'm a product sure they sold a lot of that now with the world cup they had a product which said that if the temperature goes more than 37 or 38 degrees in the day they would do a payout Okay. Which people could probably use it for is, buying a coffee or a drink. Is that not how is is that insurance or is that gambling? <laughs> They had to pull that product off okay. the market. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but you know, I think the larger thing out here is that if you really think about it hard, right? There are a lot of ways to kind of impact people's life. Hmm. Right? People today don't take insurance because they feel, you know, what was it really worth it, right? Because you you have the same off the shelf products for everyone right you're really not innovating in terms of saying that you know what for a person you know this is the risk profile this is the needs right can i create a customized product right and you can only customize products when you have enough data about people right so i think if you if you don't have enough data points about people how are you going to do something like this and that's exactly what aco wants to solve today right. in the digital insurance space Interesting. So basically, you're looking at accumulating data from a bunch of different sources and trying to figure out what's the best way to kind of offer products or best way to offer pricing or all of the above. All of the above. Okay. So I think you know if users start sharing their data with us, mm-hmm. right? We have a promise for them that you know what we'll make it your worth, okay. right? For example, if I know that you know you are someone who has a family, right, with two kids, right. I know that your risk profile for a motor insurance is much lesser right. than someone else who's probably you know a single bachelor uh, 19 20 year old who wants to really push the car to see you know how how much can he really push his car on the highway right so, so i think yeah uh, so this sounds like a, a fairly like you know clear example right i mean like right. The, the, this example seems obvious right but i mean like uh, If you want to kind of really create really individualistic products which yeah. are much more deeper then you're going to need data to come in which you can make evaluations from right okay. what are the sources that you guys are looking at to try and uh, pull that data in from what kind of things can you talk about there so uh, for example right we are working with multiple um, internet companies today mm-hmm. right where we are saying that you know let us ensure uh, different facets of your consumers uh, journey on your platform right what we're trying to do out there is we while we're not trying to you know sneak into people's lives but what we're trying to say is that you know at at, at a at a holistic level right are there are there behaviors or are there patterns that we can identify which can help us underwrite better mm-hmm. right so that's something that we are kind of you know looking at okay. at this point of time okay 
Yeah. Other things, if I tell you, I'll have to kill you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I figured that's where the answer was going. I'm sure. I'm sure. On that somber note, I think we should take a break. Uh, come back and talk some more about how Akko weaves its magic. All right, welcome back, guys. Of course, we ended on uh, Kulin threatening to... Kill I have to kill Amit <laughs> yeah, if he okay. asks more questions. So I think I'll do the question asking right, for now. That's fine. <laughs> and, uh, I hope you're insured, Amit. I assume I am. Uh, <laughs> uh, let me go to the Akoji website. This, so this was his upsell tactic. He goes into rooms and threatens people and says, Hey, you better buy insurance because... <laughs> Always selling. Always selling. Absolutely. On that note... To understand how you do this digital insurance yeah. uh, product, right? I mean, it's a, like you were saying earlier how it's a, it's literally a two-year-old industry. Zonggang in China was one example. Obviously, they've taken it uh, to the extreme, and but it's worked out because they've IPO'd and they're successful. Today, I believe we're in a very data-sharing, averse sort of a age where finally the lot of people over the world are waking up to the fact that they're they leave their data footprints all over the web uh, and have been doing so for so many years very carelessly and uh, very, I would say, openly. But now suddenly there's a furor about, you know, I, Google has my data, Facebook has my data, and government has my data, and Aadhaar, we wouldn't go there, <laughs> and, and so much more. So obviously, A, this means that there is a lot of, data, unstructured data out there, which uh, someone who makes sense of it can really use it for good, yeah. like what you're trying to do here. But at the same time, do you think we are also in a time where products like these, like you have to walk a very thin line on how much you ask from someone versus uh, how you use it. Yeah. So so how how is your approach to this whole uh, industry? And how do you think, what, what will cause, what are your chances of success based on? And I hope you don't have to kill Sheila for this question. No, yeah. no? I don't okay. have to. All right. yeah. he's, got, he's got insurance already. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, interesting question, right? I think people are afraid of their data is because they don't know how it's going to be used. They don't know about where and how are people going to use it and, you know, how, what are they planning to sell to them? Do they, is, is it unsolicited, mm-hmm. right? I think our approach is saying that, hey, you know what? We are a digital insurance company. These are the benefits that we can provide you, right, if you share your data, right? We are saying that there is an upside for you to kind of share something with us because obviously your data is going to be safe with us, right? And there's a there's a tangible benefit attached to something like this, mm-hmm. right? And that's a belief that, you know, if users know how their data is being used, right, and they know that, you know, what's the benefit that you're going to get out of it, I don't think that users are not inclined to share their data, especially if I'm just wanting to know that, you know, are you married or not, right? Because that impacts your insurance premium, right? Uh, I don't think that people would not want to share that with me. I am not asking anything else about your marriage. Mm -hmm. I just want to know some signals that can help me to price you better, uh, which helps me to tell you that, you know what, I am not subsidizing someone else's premium with your money, Right. Right. I'm getting you the true risk price for your premium, right? And that's why I'm using this data. 
so so yeah. all this while also right even if you go back before sure. this sort of a product existed all these years uh, and in fact all the way back to when the story of insurance was born right i think where 100 years 100 <laughs> years ago <laughs> there was an industry where or the first insurance company i don't know what was called which company it was but actually uh, who insured uh, some merchants guild or something like that yeah, in Holland so or too. Netherlands or something yeah, like that yeah who literally, who basically insured uh, sailors or seafarers mm. uh, by selling uh, this to, to their wives right who they uh, essentially was uh, that the first instrument yeah. the first instrument was insuring ships like a, I thought so too against yeah. the pirate attack. Yeah, I thought yeah. the first instrument so, yeah. was that, and Basically, then after that, this became the second. Yeah. That be, this became the first life insurance instrument. Mm. Correct. That was the first kind of commercial insurance. Commercial insurance. 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 Ah, so yeah. then overall, life insurance is right. essentially saying, "Hey, what if your husband doesn't come back from this exactly. ship voyage he's going yeah. on? I'll give you so much money." But since then, till maybe Echo, it's been a black box of give me data, I'll do something with it, yeah. but give me data nonetheless, and this is your premium. Right, so here also you're asking for probably the same questions uh, which your our insurance agents have taken from us. I mean, we've all filled insurance forms. Yeah. They all ask if you're married or not married, your age group, your life insurance asks you to do a medical test and a whole bunch of other things, and then they come back with a price. Yeah. Right? Uh, how well, how will you, how do you think you'll better that? Because so, yeah. I'm assuming traditional insurance also does this analysis, or they, I guess, hopefully do. So our take on this is this, that, you know, a lot of times the information that you're sharing with agents and brokers, right, might not even land up back with the insurance companies if they see a conflict of interest out there, right? We've seen examples in the industry where agents have not even shared your mobile number and email ID. They just probably provide your name and they just, you know, issue a policy. Because somewhere down the line, there is this, you know, conflict of interest that, you know, a lot of intermediaries have with insurance companies saying that if I share all your data, would those insurance companies, you know, come back and pitch to you, leaving them out of the, you know, equation, right? right? And this hampers their business, right? Uh, we're seeing that we want to come direct to the consumer, right? We want to use all the new tech that is available today to kind of, you know, crunch this data that is available, right? We are coming with a philosophy or with the DNA that we are a tech company which is doing insurance, Right. And not the other way around. Right. And I think that I think that philosophy itself, right, uh, kind of helps us to look at things differently, mm-hmm. right? Um, everyone, you know, Google could do everything, Facebook could do everything, right? But they are not doing it. And certain, you know, apps are much better than what they could, in, you know, deliver, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's all about the DNA, mm-hmm. right? And I think our DNA is that we are a tech company, we want, and which happens to do insurance, mm-hmm. and we want to do it. In a, in a way that whenever there is data available, right, how do we connect the dots, right? How do we kind of, you know, create an algorithm or, you know, a, a kind of a way to kind of underwrite this uh, data and give the right price, right? So that's that's something that, that which is at a philosophical level at the company, mm-hmm. right? We are kind of, you know, using big data. We are kind of using uh, ML uh, and our entire um, stack is ML family-based languages, which no one in the country is actually doing it right now. Mm-hmm. And we kind of really pride ourselves of being the first ones to do that in the country right now. Mm-hmm. And I think these are some of the things that help us to, you know, serve our consumers better. Mm-hmm. So just yeah. to come back to one of the things. So you're a no-broker insurance company. Yes. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah direct insurance, right? Direct so insurance. you are actually the insurance insurer, right? Yeah, right. we are actually the insurer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And okay. now, uh, now I, I. No, so I mean, like, uh, see, generally, I mean, like, we all bitch about brokers and like you know talk about them as yeah. like whatever, right? But at the same time, they do provide some value, right? I mean, like, yes. so how do you kind of, uh, if as a no broker insurance company, how do you kind of replicate the value that brokers do provide, right? I mean, like, not uh, letting people know about different products that are coming out giving them their opinion on what they should, shouldn't do. I mean, like, how, how do you guys deal with that kind of stuff? Yeah, I think uh, there are enough and more uh, avenues today to kind of, you know, uh, reach out to our consumers, mm. right? There are more, a lot of digital channels that by which we can kind of, you know, inform our consumers about this, right? Let me take an example of, you know, your car insurance, right? If you meet with an accident, right, you can just call up ACO today and within 30 minutes, we send someone from our crew to kind of come and take a custody of your car, we kind of take care of making sure that it goes to the right garage. Right. We kind of even deliver it back to you. We give you a tat of three days. If you don't get the car in that, we're going to give you, you know, some cab hailing vouchers. Okay. I think that all these things are possible today because of the whole evolution in terms of communication. what a broker does, right? Broker doesn't yeah. do any other stuff. Yeah. We are saying that, you know what, we can do all these things. You don't need someone else, mm. right? We want to have a personal relationship with the consumer. Right. We want to kind of open up the channel and be transparent today. Right. Uh, why would you want an intermediary when you are OK to be kind of completely transparent with your consumers? Right. right? Uh, why do you want an intermediary when you know that you can reach out to your consumers directly? Right. There are enough and more channels today by which we can reach out to people. Right. We don't we are no longer in the, in the yesteryears where, you know, it's difficult to get the word out unless you had people kind of, you know, representing you. Right. I think we don't need that anymore, uh, at least not echo. And at this it's, point also, of time. it's also, I mean, going back to the same thing, right? Uh, we trusted brokers because of the unknowns right. which they yeah. handled, right? We yeah. said, okay, listen, I have no idea. Here, yeah. You know me, get me what you think is right. best. Hmm. Instead, right. here the company is going, I mean, you're being a lot more transparent in Absolutely. what you're collecting. Right. At the same time, uh, your tech, I mean... More and more, the world is starting to trust tech more than people, right? I mean, more often than not, tech makes lesser mistakes than people do and yeah. so on. Uh, I'm a big believer of that. I know yeah. when the robots take over, I, we're, we're all okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, but, you know, the journey from here, which you've embarked on, right? Now, uh, you're obviously using a lot of deep tech to understand, uh, yeah. you know, how to financially insure someone in various scenarios. The right. example you mentioned was car insurance. Yeah. Uh, you guys have Amazon as an investor now. So yes. obviously there's an e-commerce uh, uh, yes. sort of angle to it also. There's so much data in e-commerce in general. People are moving right. uh, their entire lives of spending online. Right. And there's a lot of data, I'm sure, there to yeah. look at and learn better behaviors. So more and more... Uh, how big a deal is insurance in general? I mean, I want to understand, like, how do you make sure it's a big part of someone's life, just like anything else would be? Right. So let me take an example of our, you know, recent partnership with Ola, mm -hmm. right? A lot of people have been kind of voicing their, you know, their concerns that, you know, what if I take a cab hailing ride? What if it reaches late? I need to go to the airport. What if I miss my flight? Who's going to pay for this? Mm. Right. I know that once upon a time, I've kind of, you know, written, a, I've tweeted about the same thing, but I was almost about to miss a flight because of a cab hailing company. Today, because of the availability of data, right, we are providing a missed flight insurance product with anyone who takes an Ola ride today. Okay. Yeah. So if you miss your flight because an Ola driver denied duty, or there was genuinely traffic on right. the road, 
or the route taken was a longer one right it's not your fault hmm. right so if you pay a 1 rupee insurance right we pay you up to 5000 rupees or the ticket value right as a benefit hmm. right and i'm saying that this is where we come into the picture wow i didn't know you gave 5000 i've been giving you 1 buck every day man <laughs> <laughs> okay then <laughs> so uh I think these are the kind of innovative products that you can come up with when there is free flow of data, right? right? If someone can tell me that you are going to the airport, right? I can provide a cover like this to you, right? So these are the kind of innovative products that we are trying to build with Amazon as an investor, right? We are looking at building, you know, custom products for Amazon, mm-hmm. you know, which can solve the problem in the in their supply chain. In the supply chain, yeah. right? We are creating first of its kind mobile insurance right now. where we seeing that we come and pick up your phone from your home and within 3 to 4 working days we kind of come and give it back after the repairs have been done and this is only possible when there is a free flowing of information when you know consumers are seeing the benefit of sharing information with right. you mm-hmm. right so i think internet is becoming a very big play for us <coughs> because that's where you know data is available uh, that's where uh, you know data can kind of flow freely and you can then innovate based on this kind of data another thing about uh, you know olas that you don't really have to even give us a call to claim insurance right we've done a deep integration into the ola app itself from where you can generate your uh, you know claim, claim. Wow. and okay. it takes probably less than 2 minutes to finish off the entire claim process including submitting the documents and 48 hours after that we kind of process your claims so things that used to take 7 to 10 working days we've kind of reduced it to 48 hours now and we're still trying to see that you know can we use concepts like smart contracts right mm-hmm. to pay off certain claims where there's no human intervention required at all blockchain you use the word <laughs> all right <laughs> now your podcast's going to get famous because someone spoke about blockchain <laughs> wow we thought one episode without saying it would happen but no everyone's into it but oh awesome but obviously i there is there's a there's definitely going to be a, this is you're disrupting this 100 year old industry which we just yeah. spoke about and obviously uh, there are examples the world over where mm. it's succeeding between here and uh, and you mentioned earlier that you know instead of us uh, as general consumers who are going out and asking our agents and then they are giving us a bouquet of options to choose from and these are what is out there choose what is best and pay a premium and insurance becoming this once or twice or thrice a year how many times i pay a policy uh, thing i recall to every day when i take an ola exactly. uh, you know there's this one rupee which is going and i know i'm protected so you're also playing with the, the data that you have allows you to decide who to offer what kind of insurance right Yes. You you get to individually understand each user's behavior, background, data and say okay, I want to insure this person for less money and this in the other person for more because they're high risk and low risk and all of these factors. Do you think that puts I mean again a very uh, sure another angle to this question is do you think that puts too much power in your hands and decide to decide who to give insurance to and who who's who allow, who's allowed to be insured versus not we're not saying we're going to refuse insurance mm-hmm. we're going to insure everyone mm-hmm. it's just that if you carry a high risk profile you should be paying for that risk that you carry 
right? It's not fair for someone who is not carrying a high risk profile to pay and subsidize for someone because there is absence of data. We think that we want to cover everyone. Mm-hmm. It's just that we will ask you to pay the right price, and we put the ball back in the consumer's court and say, "Hey, this is our take on your risk profile, and this is what you need to pay for it." Right? If you're okay with it, we are more than happy to extend our services to you. Mm-hmm. But if you think that no, that you don't pay for it, you know, he can refuse us. But as an insurance company, we don't refuse anyone. Right? Right? We just want to make sure that. people are paying the right price for the risk that they carry we don't want to be blinded wherein someone else is subsidizing someone else right, right. which is what has been the standard of absolutely on this yeah. well, so, kind of it's uh, if you look at obamacare and they talk about that in the us right i mean like part of the the thing that they do is that everybody has to take it because they are looking to make that deliberately yeah. the case right where the people with lower risk are subsidizing people with the higher risk ah, but then that is a governmental kind of uh, yeah. initiative rather than a private company a private company can be forced into the same thing but what that does lead me to ask you is that uh, are there products that you have decided again insurance heavily sure. regulated yeah. area of the uh, market <laughs> so are there products that you guys have decided that you know what this is not an area that we want to play in so uh I think our strategy right now is that uh, we want to kind of concentrate on two kind of products right now. Mm-hmm. One is the motor insurance product for obvious reason because it's heavily regulated and it's compulsory, <laughs> right? And we are bringing in efficiencies through distribution and pricing out there. Right. So that is one area that we're looking at. The other one is the internet economy. Okay. We are thinking that can we build innovative products? Can we touch, you know, uh, every consumer's life more than just once or twice in a year? Right. can we tell them that you know what if it's a customized insurance product it really benefits you hmm. right people don't take insurance because they feel i'm not going to be able to claim yeah. right. why should i pay money right like everyone just gives me the same kind of benefits why right. i don't need it hmm. so can we really you know impact the consumer's life so that's the internet product that we're talking about we're saying that at this point of time we want to go only focus on these two things okay because we rather not open up battlefronts on multiple products right we create a you know we we make the consumer know that you know what if we do one thing we do it really well mm. so we really want to concentrate on these value propositions focus on them drive an amazing consumer experience right kind of uh, optimize our journey and then we say that you know what the next product that we launch people will trust us yeah that's true that makes yeah. sense so let's solve one case at a time and you know but make it big in the consumers Yeah, I, I agree. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah, so, I, I have I have another dystopian future question. Okay. Uh, because it relates to a future which is actually already here. Uh, <laughs> going back to uh, China, our wonderful neighbors, for uh, how advanced they are. <laughs> I uh, I you obviously know, right? There's now yeah. there's a whole different there's a credit rating system now. Yeah. in china where it's you have a public rating across a bunch bunch of digital mm-hmm. platforms you're on and now every other service especially by the government uh, or since it's uh, generally more regulated there is being controlled and delivered basis that rating and that's again because they have all your data so how far do you think we are <laughs> from <laughs> from today you giving people 5 bucks or 1 buck for an ola ride to <laughs> maybe when maybe when amit uh, sits in ola capital show him 5 bucks and yeah. like hey amit sorry you spent too much money on fancy movies so you know you're a higher risk so no, i'm going to say you know what amit 
you still good with one bark <laughs> <laughs> thank you i appreciate that <laughs> uh i how far are you from um, that world um, i think we are still a little far away because we still have data in fragmented pieces of year right now i think in china a lot of things are led by the government mm-hmm. and like we spoke earlier right chinese government has kind of you know identified certain players who can create scores and then can they create a master score on top of that mm-hmm. uh, somewhere i read uh, a few months back is that approximately 11.4 million airline trips were cancelled because people didn't have the right score wow so they were denied airline trips and there are some close to on 20 million train trips that were delayed we can definitely look up those numbers again but yeah. those are the ballpark numbers that i read that were kind of you know hmm. said no to That's but why i mean why can't you fly because what will happen badly behaved i mean <laughs> yeah I, i think i mean if that's the case then i mean that seems kind of very unfair to me that i mean like you're preventing future behavior on the basis of some Past rating behavior. yeah exactly it, so it sort of ties in with my your industry you're in right a lot of people pay high premiums for whatever they've done or whatever sure. they've in the past and so right. on right so how do you how do you is what's your and it's a very open ended question yeah. around how, what's your take on you know balancing this because there'll always be bad actors like you were saying and there are always the rest of most majority are good and which is why insurance traditional insurance companies tend to just like balance it out yeah. especially for those bad actors mm-hmm. they'll be like what the hell why am i being charged so much yeah. like just because i've No, I mean, and, uh, and again, I mean, like you know, it is. Uh, I I nicked my car once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, this is a purely personal view, right? I don't think you are kind of singling out bad actors, but I think I at least this is a very personal view that you're actually giving a chance that you know if there's a bad behavior, mm-hmm. uh, there's an opportunity to correct it, right? Because it's for the larger good. Mm-hmm. Right. If you're going to be driving carelessly on the road, you're not only kind of putting yourself in. trouble but you're putting others also in trouble who are driving around you mm-hmm. right so if you are kind of paying a higher premium and this kind of nudges you to say you know what i could actually balance my driving and you no know, not put other people on trouble mm-hmm. right if it's driving a good behavior i don't think we are trying to you know take away people's way of life mm-hmm. we just saying that listen we think that if you drive safely on the road next year you pay lesser yeah you pay yeah. lesser Yeah. yeah yeah and then that makes a bunch of sense right i think yeah. that that's completely logical i think yeah. uh, it's it's what we have with the no claim bonus right now right you exactly. don't make a claim you get a little bit of a benefit in terms of whatever that may yeah. be yeah but, uh, but no I, claim bonus is a farce because you could have like in the last 3 years huh. 10 for, argue, 10 10 this but you didn't make a claim in the last just one year you didn't make any claim yeah. right but yeah but how do you how do you kind of track that right there's no way that someone can really track it but and hence you just get for the last one year right right uh but yeah i think that's the way the industry is moving today because there's absence of data right right so yeah but there are people now tracking again not auto insurance uh, of course there are there are trackers on cars you can yeah. put you actually have data trackers mm-hmm. on cars you have yeah. people exactly. connecting fitbit uh, data to insurance and so there are gps data uh, you have uh, uh, obd devices yeah, in the cars that. right yeah 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 so if if an OBD device can give you a good driving score right why shouldn't you get rewarded for doing something good I agree right 
I wouldn't talk from the fact that why am I penalizing for being bad, but I'm saying that why can't you be rewarded for doing something good? I agree. I, yeah. I, I have no issue with that. I completely agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Let's let's hope. Uh, I mean, now I mean, I have I don't have a car for a long time now. So I, I have a car in three years either. And you're still insured when you go in. Ola. Yes. <laughs> yes. Now that I know. <laughs> If my flight is delayed <laughs> or late, or if I do miss my flight, I know what button to press. I won't call you, Kulin. <laughs> but or I mean, thanks, thanks so much for telling us about this story. And of course, we'll uh, wait to see where all Echo pops up in our lives, uh, asking us like, uh, and how soon you become that agent who reminds you about, <laughs> hey, your premium is up, or why don't you pay me one more rupee for just a nudge. Just a nudge. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, uh, where do people get in touch with you? Uh, where are you on Twitter? Yeah, I'm. I'm on Twitter at at the rate now entrepreneur, and um, my emails there, Colleen at the rate echo dot com. Awesome. Okay. Yes. And uh, just a reminder, everybody, please sign into the or sign up for the Slack channel. Go to the website www.ivmpodcast.com slash junior one. There's a button over there which says subscribe to Slack. Click on that button, send us your email address, and we shall send you an invitation back. Uh, also, please remember to give us a rating or a review wherever you're listening to this. That stuff really does help. Yes. Thank you so much, Colin, and hope to hear more about Echo in the coming months. Pleasure's mine, and yes, we'll keep you informed. <laughs> <laughs>